are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to another Thursday edition of Locked On NBA. I am Jackson Gatlin, host of Locked On Rockets. He is Matt Moore, back in the flesh, senior NBA writer at the Action Network and co-host of Locked On Nuggets. Matt, I missed you. I missed you too, man. It was good to get to Vegas. It was good to see various NBA people. It was frightening being somewhere in the midst of the Delta surge. It was great to watch the rookie class play basketball, but I'm excited to be back at it. We only have six weeks until training camp. Can you believe it? It's crazy to think about. What's even crazier is you're not even going to tell our listeners about the crazy hangover situation where I found you, you know, passed out on a rooftop in Vegas. I mean, it was, it was a whole ordeal. Chris Manning and I didn't even get into it in the last show. We were still trying to keep that a little bit under wraps, but it's all out in the open now. So I'm sorry about that, Matt. I'm glad we found you though. That's a, that's a funny joke that was not so funny to me 10 years ago in my, in my youth, Jackson, Back in my day, back in my day, I used to, I would be found on Fremont amongst the mutants, (laughs) not Fremont. Oh my God. Live on Fremont after 11 o'clock at night until about 5 a.m. Fremont. Don't like that. All right. Well, when we get it's fear and loathing in Las Vegas, that's, that's, that's go to Fremont. When we get uh, when we get the expansion team and we eventually have a uh, locked on whatever locked on Las Vegas host, it's going to be yeah. uh, that's that's going to be the fun city to visit um, for NBA teams. Anyways, let's get into today's topics and where we're going to start is what's going to be a really impressive. I already know it's going to be an impressive rookie of the year race, and I think the two names that are going to be at the top of the top of the ballot are going to be Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green. Now, I mean, we can kind of, before we tee things off, I mean, this this rookie class, Matt, I don't know about you, but I came away from Summer League really thoroughly impressed with so many of the top prospects out of this year's draft. And so I don't think it's just going to be a one-two race between Cade and Jalen. I think those are the two favorites for sure. And I think they're favorites for different reasons. And and we're going to get into that here in a second. But... I really come away thinking it's it's almost up for grabs for anybody because there's so much star talent out of this past year's draft. I think it's going to be a two-man race. I mean, really? I, think, I think Mitchell out of uh, Sacramento, I think Avion can, can get in that conversation, but I don't know how many minutes he's going to get. And okay. you can look at Jalen Suggs and be like, Suggs look great. The Magic have 1,800 guards. Like, they just <laughs> have all of the guards in the world. So, like, finding the 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 space and time for Suggs to get enough minutes, usage, and opportunity, I think is going to be a little difficult. Uh, Evan Mobley, I was really impressed with from the perspective of he's going to do things that are going to help win games. That's not, that's not what translates to Rookie of the Year, or Steven Adams would have won it. So, you know, in general, I think that this rookie class showed a lot of, like, really good guys. Trey Murphy was the one guy that popped to me. Trey Murphy was the one guy, even more than Jalen, as great as Jalen looked. I thought Trey Murphy looked the best of any rookie in terms of expect. Like, wait, which which Jalen? There's two of them. Versus right versus expectation. Uh, I thought Trey Murphy was by far the most complete performance from a rookie. I was really impressed with him, um, but he's not going to be a rookie of the year candidate because he's still going to be like a rotation guy on team with a lot of of ball of ball handling dudes in Zion and Brandon Ingram. Um, so. I think we return to Jalen Green and Kate Hunt Cunningham. Okay. And in that debate, I know that there's, I, I think 
we we've already firmly established, at least via you know social media and maybe a couple other podcasts here and there, that rock fans are insane. No, well, I mean, hey, we're gonna pump the brakes there. I mean, I'm not gonna say that the fan base does not get easily riled up at times, but I'm also gonna say you you seem firmly in the Cade Cunningham group, are you not? So here, here's what's interesting. Uh, I actually on Buckets, which is my Action Network podcast, I actually did like a lengthy debate with my co-host Brandon Anderson, which I argued that Jalen Green's going to win Rookie of the Year. Uh, I think Jalen Green is going to win Rookie of the Year. I think Kate I think Cunningham- he is too, and I have my reasons for it, but I want to get into it with you. I think Kate Cunningham is going to be the better NBA player by a significant differential. I think Kate Cunningham is the type of player that can't. It will learn how to. He will get better at scoring. Uh, I think he has to work on some go-to moves inside of the three-point arc. He has a very complete game. He does all the things that help you win. I think it's going to take him longer, but I think at his peak, he will do more to help his teams win and be a better overall. His impact will be better than Jalen Green's. But in year one, Jalen Green's got to put up some numbers, just numbers all over the place, just big old numbers, and that's going to win him rookie of the year. I think Jalen's going to be an absolutely phenomenal fantasy basketball player. He's going to be absolutely incredible for anybody that plays fantasy or DFS. He's going to be great to bet on for rookie of the year. He's going to put up great stat lines and have awesome highlight tapes, but I think Kate Cunningham is going to be the better NBA player. So in that regard, I think one, I think it's way too early to say which one of them is going to be the better NBA player. I think it's just entirely way too early. You, you think that before they even played an NBA game is too early? What, yeah, <laughs> what definitely balance, way too early. What kind of balance is this? Now, I get it. I just would say that, like, look, what I'm what I'm basically just trying to trying to say here is I love Cade's complete skill set, and I think that what he does will translate to winning. I have a lot of questions about the same on the other end. Okay, and I think that my one counter to that for Jalen Green is we've already seen him do some of the things that you, you know, quote unquote, translate to winning, right? It's small sample size. I mean, we, but even as recently as just in summer league, right? We saw him continuously play within the offense that nobody would have had any qualms had Jalen Green gone out there and shot the ball 30 times a night in summer league, right? He could have absolutely done that. Instead, he played within the system. The Rockets coaches were raving about how, excellent he was at staying within the confines of what they were trying to accomplish, right? He didn't overstep his bounds. He played within the system. And at times he played different ways, right? We saw him against the Cavaliers. He played with the ball in his hands, very active in the pick and roll, which is exactly what they wanted to try and do is get him in more pick and roll action to see how comfortable he would be as a ball handler. And then against the Pistons, they actively tried to take the ball out of his hands And so he then played off ball and used his gravity to either create for himself or create for his teammates. We saw him make the right reads. We saw him do all the right things that he was supposed to do. And so to me, that does translate to winning basketball. He certainly did experience gravity when Cade shook him. Uh, I think like one of the... (laughs) Matt! (laughs) So, no, look, if we're going to be real about this, if we're going to be real about this, like when you said like it's too early, of course it's too early. Yeah. Right. Like jail, jail. But where's the fun in that? It's got to, we, yeah, we got to have a little fun with Dame. It. He could be something else. He could be Clay Thompson with more of an on ball game. Like there's a whole array of things that Jalen Green and Cade could be. Like Cade may top out as like a guy that like, look, he makes a lot of guys better, but he isn't a guy that you can give the ball to and be like, go get this bucket. That's like, I have real concerns about the two point shooting. I think that's a legitimate concern. Like he shot 46% from two point range in college. Um, 
And I don't necessarily think that he's going to have a great, like off the dribble, pull up jumper game right away. I don't think he's gonna be super comfortable running pick and roll uh, right away, especially with the people around him in Detroit. So I'm certainly not like married to these opinions. I and I do mostly, think that I, I, go ahead, go ahead. I, I think mostly what I am trying to get at is there's something about Jalen's game. That's very, it's, it's impressive because it's very fluid and it's very clean and it's very like, he's a hooper, right? Like he's just like, he's a bus. He's not a basketball player. He's a hooper. Yeah. And with Cunningham, everything does look a little bit more cerebral. Everything does look a little bit more, and the physicality is definitely there. Like the rebounding is really impressive with Cade. Like he's going to be a good rebounder. He's going to be a better defender. I think we can feel, feel pretty good about him being a better defender. Um, it's not in stone, but that's like where, if we're starting the, what I'm really trying to do here is I'm trying to start the expectations. Like, okay, what's our, what are our priors going into the season? What do we expect to see? And I expect to see numbers from Jalen green, but over the course of the next four years, I expect to see impact winning plays from Cade Cunningham. Which doesn't mean Jalen can't do that too. Jalen can be both. And that that much, and I feel like that one is a bit more of a a measured assessment on your on your behalf. So I'll give you that one because I do think, and I do think some of the physicality stuff of it, right? Like Jalen's body is going to fill out. He's going to, you know, he doesn't have the NBA ready body that Cade does right now. So I think from the jump, as you're saying, as we're laying these baseline expectations, yeah, right away, Cade's got the better NBA body. So when it comes to defense, physicality, rebounding, things like that, he's going to have a better edge right now. But even standing out there, I mean, they didn't look that drastically different like height wise like i mean you got he's jalen's listed at like six six Cade's listed at about six eight you know as as he starts to fill out at the nba level i think that you know some of the concerns for jalen green defensively are going to go away as he gets his body to the place that needs to be to really yeah. you know contend with the adults at the nba level and not uh you know kids so i will say uh, that of of this class it, that did stand out to me these are like they're kids and they they look more like kids than some of the other ones. Um, like the older guys definitely stood out like Mitchell, like definitely stood out in terms of their size and physicality versus like so many of these guys. I'm just like, Oh man, like they, they just, they're so skinny. And then you like, you try and remember like what two years of NBA strength training does to these guys. Like, yeah, it's Which, just night and day on, on that note. Uh, my final feather in the cap of the Jalen Green for Rookie of the Year debate is he was playing against grown men in the G League. So he's already, you know, accustomed to that level of physicality. He wasn't playing against other college competition. Yeah. He was playing against grown men who have already gone through all of this, you know, strength training and full-time work ethic of being a, a professional basketball player. He was playing against pros. And so I think that gives him a slight edge. And not to mention that the whole city of Detroit already hates Jalen Green. So that's another fun one right there because you got to have a bit of a personality to win rookie of the year. It feels like it feels like some of these awards are kind of a popularity contest at the end of the day, as well as the numbers that you put up, that kind of thing. I, I'm a little excited because there's like some burblings that Kate and, and Jalen have played each other a lot. And there's not exactly like a real lovey dovey relationship there. So I'm, there's I'm, there's a respect there, but it's not. Yeah. A, and we, we I, I noticed this the other day, right? There's a respect there. But like when you hear Jalen, Jalen Green talk about like Suggs or Mobley or, you know, any of the other guys for, yeah. he, there is he's got kind of, like, yeah, that's my guy. That's my bro, whatever. With Kate, it's like, yeah, he's he's good. Right. Like it, it's yeah. it's not it's, disrespectful, but it's like 
you know what I'm saying? We, we need we need this though, right? Like we need that rivalry. We need we it, it makes it way better. Like the dream scenario is that both Cade and Jalen are putting up great numbers. Their teams are terrible because let's be real. But they're playing like gr- they're playing great every night. They're a lot of fun to watch, and it's a real battle between two guys that have a little bit of animosity, like a healthy amount of an- of animosity between them. I- I'm I'm excited for that possibility. It's going to be great when the Rockets and Pistons meet in the finals in 2027. Love that. Um, but with that, let's go ahead. We are going to coming up. We're going to get into the marquee games released on the NBA schedule. What that means for the NBA for those teams specifically. All that good stuff. Games that we thought maybe should have been included, and we'll get there after a quick message from our friends over at Sweat Block. Because look, when it comes to sweating let's be honest it's uncomfortable it's you know awkward it's embarrassing at times and frankly nobody nobody wants to experience that right you don't want to have to think about what you're going to wear picking your outfit based on how hot it is outside anything like that look i'm from houston i get it the humidity here it's it's unbearable so don't worry about that anymore. You can you can ease that t- that worry, the anxiety, get rid of all of that with sweat block. It's doctor created and doctor recommended. Works for up to seven days per use. You just they come in these little wipes, right? You just put it on night before, go to bed, wake up the next day, shower, put on your makeup, do whatever you got to do, go about your day like normal. Provides you seven days of continuous sweat relief, and it's stronger, more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. Just put it on again right before you go to bed, wake up, and you're good to go right? No more anxiety, no more worries, whether you're going out for a job interview, maybe it's a first date, or you're just meeting up with some friends, right? You can get rid of all those worries, no more sweating, no more issues. And you can check it out, get 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on also available at Amazon and CVS. So again, that's promo code locked on for 20% off at sweatblock.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me, just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out, and the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and me. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash locked on. Therabody.com slash locked on. And continuing on here at Locked On NBA Thursday, he is Matt Moore. I am Jackson Gatlin. Matt, let's get into the schedule release and what some of these games mean, what our takeaways are, whether whether or not there are any games that we kind of missed out on that we thought we should have seen for opening week as well as for the Christmas Day slate. But I want to start, do you want to start opening week? Do you want to start Christmas Day slate? I'll start opening week. So, you know, opening night, Nets, Bucks, and Warriors, Lakers. Uh, no surprise, I don't think on either. You get Steph versus LeBron in a rematch of the playing game that drew such big ratings. They obviously wanted that one. You have to have a West Coast matchup uh, versus the East Coast matchup with the Bucks getting the East Coast matchup for ring night. Um, 
It is a little bit, I feel like, of, I'll put it this way. So the Pelican or the Raptors, when they won in 2019, they opened the following season versus the Pelicans. So they get like a it's Zion, right? But they get an up and coming team with a really, you know, fantastic rookie. Instead, but they get a layup. They yeah, get a layup. They get a layup. <laughs> Instead, the Bucks get the Nets, which you could just tell is very much like a, we can set the tone for the entire season with the Nets being the super team if they take out the champs on opening night. So now I'm, I'm probably gonna have the Bucks in that game because I like the matchup for him. But like that's that like right off the top, that's interesting. I thought it was notable. Usually Wednesday night they do the big rookie like debut. Like that's usually where like Kate Cunningham. Not we were National robbed. Uh, we were robbed of Pistons Rockets opening week. I'm yeah. just gonna say like the animosity that's already brewing between the Rockets and Pistons fan base and Jalen and Kate haven't played a single actual NBA minute against each other yet. And we were robbed of it. I'm sorry. Like when, when the schedule dropped, I was sitting here with bated breath waiting for a Rockets Pistons matchup and we didn't get it there. We also didn't, didn't get it on Christmas day. That one was a little bit more of a stretch. I was like, maybe they throw it on Christmas day. Nope. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing doing. I'm, I'm pretty surprised that, that especially when you look at some of these matchups, like Celtics Knicks, why? Like, I get it. It's it's a it feels very old school, but it's not like these teams have any like playoff history. There's no old school clips to, to kind of reel back. Like the Knicks were good when the Celtics were not in a lull, but lull more of a lull than some of the other times. And every it's time just Celtics- because New York was recently good, and they're just like, yeah. who can we throw against New York that sort of makes sense? And we're like, oh, okay, Boston, New York, another, like let's another do a big market. Yeah, and then like Nuggets, Suns, I get because okay, we're gonna have the MVP versus the 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 Western Conference champion. I I get it. Not particularly compelled by it, but it'll be a good game. I understand that one. Mavericks, Hawks, I get because that's Luca versus Trey, right? That's Thursday night. Uh, Luca versus Trey makes a lot of sense. Uh, Clippers, Warriors, what? Well, they just want more. They just want more West Coast based teams. That's L- L.A. versus the Warriors. I get it. like I know the Warriors are a pull, but you, they're sho- they're just shoehorning in a second Warriors game. And they they're shoehorning in another L.A. based team trying to get those ratings up. That's exactly that's that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And then Friday, you got Nets versus Sixers. That makes sense. There's no look. There's no reason that the defending champ shouldn't have a second nationally televised game within the first four nights. I'm just going to put that one out there. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that the Bucks don't have another game in there Mm -hmm. is a bit of a disgrace. Like, I'm just going to throw it out there. Small market teams everywhere. I am your champion right now. What the hell? The Bucks should have had at least one more game in there being the defending champs. It's I, unreasonable. It, to me, it says a lot of, uh, they must recognize something in Trey that Trey is going to be like a mega star because not only does he get the... Well, they're, the, they're also, I mean, they're not quite, they're not the Eastern Conference champs, but they had a really strong run and they upset like... A couple teams, I feel like, because like, I mean, I had Knicks in that series, so mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Hawks fans, but like, maybe that's where the draw is. And and you know, by extension, right? They know that Trey is, is upwards bound for stardom. Like, yeah. he's right there. Yeah. So like, I I think it it makes it just it is very apparent that they are pushing Trey, considering that he's there and he's on Christmas in the the Knicks. Now I like the Knicks Hawks on Christmas. I like that as the, the day opener. That's great. Trey's return to MSG Christmas. That's like a fantastic. There's storylines there. And that's what that's what's supposed to make sense is in that first matchup, the the Boston and New York one. There's no storylines there. There's no like what what is the storyline? It doesn't exist. Yeah. 
So other like, than other than both teams were in the playoffs last year, and they're both big markets in the East. So there you I mean, go. I, I mean, I get it from the perspective of like the Knicks were good. You got Tatum, but like that's a spot that I think they should have given to Rockets at Pistons. That should have been that should have been that game on Wednesday. Is the first one should have been Rockets at Pistons, and then you have like okay, then the big teams play later with the Nuggets and the Suns. Um, I agree with that. I think that would have been fun. But I and I think correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think that storyline wise, I think like the Christmas day storylines are more important than like opening week storylines. Uh, they are the, usually the league wants to the opening night is like, here's the championship picture. Usually, unless there's like a Zion type element. Right. Um, and then the first week, honestly, usually what's here's what's surprising. Usually that Wednesday is when you're like, Oh, these are good games. And it's not that these aren't good games. Like Nuggets, the Suns will be a good game even without Jamal Murray. Uh, Celtics, Knicks will be a competitive game. I just don't necessarily find it all that compelling. Like if you'd had, like even Sixers, Knicks, I think has a little bit more juice to it. Like I don't necessarily find uh, Celtics, Knicks to be all that compelling uh, on that first week or even really tell, tell any sort of like narrative of the season or provide like a great game. So that's, that's I think my question with the that first week slate and the Warriors fans are obviously like are you kidding me because they start off with the Lakers and then they get the Clippers on Thursday um that is a pretty tough start we'll see what the actual schedule looks like when it comes out in the next couple couple days I want to ask you um so I love the Hawks next game on Christmas that's awesome um Nets Lakers was predictable we knew we were gonna get that one of course (sighs) the rest of them I have I kind of tilted my head a bit a, a little bit a bit um, how is it, are the Sixers not on Christmas is a good question. When Joel Embiid was second in MVP, we don't have the number one finisher in MVP or the number two finisher in MVP either on Christmas, which is like one of them would have been a little bit more surprising. I don't really understand Celtics at bucks. I don't get why that's a thing that exists, why that's what they chose. Um, Warriors B- bucks are well, bucks, bucks are in the picture. Cause they're the defending champs. Like right. I like, we'll throw that out be, there. Yeah. They got to be there. They like the Bucks have to be there. You're right. And you can't have the Nets versus them. So then you go to the third team. And there is kind of this this tier. Maybe Miami with Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry, but that doesn't really feel big enough. I think this is one of the problems. There is, but there is there is some connections there between Miami and Milwaukee. And that would have yeah. made for some good storyline, right? Yeah. Is you know, you've got the revamped, you know, Miami team with some, you know, so going out for revenge against the Bucks team, and they've got some playoff history there in the bubble than last PJ season. Tucker. Like, I mean, there's a lot there. PJ, PJ Tucker's Tucker another connection. Yeah. yeah. So I yeah. think that would have been a much more compelling game than Boston, Milwaukee. Again, <laughs> it feels like the NBA is just shoehorning the bigger markets into these games. Well, and here's what's interesting though is I think that one of the reasons they're doing that, Jackson, is there aren't necessarily these top tier elite teams that you feel like have to be on there despite their market, right? So you've got Nets and Lakers, and they're in a, they're in a tier by themselves and a game by themselves. You've got the defending champion Bucks. You've got the Warriors, who everyone kind of presumes will be good. There's a lot of variance on that, right? But like they've got to be there. They're a huge ratings draw. But then who's like you, the next team that you would bring into the conversation would have to be the Suns or the Sixers or both. And both of those teams, though they had great seasons last year, Sixers finishing with the one seed, the Suns making the finals. 
no one is looking at those two teams as like you got to go through those teams in the east or slash west like no one's looking at it like that this kind of shows you that like the nba's christmas schedule really kind of shows how wide open the league is in that there's one game that showcases the presumptive top two favorites the betting favorites to win the nba title and then there's a gap and there's the bucks who are the defending champs and deserve that respect and then there's a gap and then there's like everybody else I think that's kind of interesting. I can get behind that sentiment. I think may, I mean, and I get why they want the two heavyweight favorites in the nets and Lakers to, to clash on Christmas day. Absolutely. But there's a part of me that wonders if for the betterment of like the, the schedule as a whole would have been better if you could have placed those two teams apart from each other. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Right. You want the heavyweight matchup, but yeah. Who would you have placed them against? they want that gigantic rating for that game. Yeah, that's fair. They don't want to spread it out. They want the gigantic rating for that game. The one game I, I am sad that we're missing, and I don't think there was a way to do it, but it's Sixers versus Nuggets. You could have had Embiid versus Jokic, and I think that that's actually marketable. Right? I would have been got- more intrigued by a, a Sixers-Nuggets game than I would have a Mavericks-Jazz game. I'm just going to throw that out there. And again, that's because they're really trying to get Luka Doncic's airtime. I, uh, I I got in a lot of trouble with jazz fans this week. It got personal. It got ugly. Uh, so I am, am backing out of that conversation. The Why is it because, Ru- is it because Rudy Gobert is an 82 game player, not a 16 game player? The, the jazz were the number one seed <laughs> in the Western conference last year and a great team and almost made the Western conference finals. If it wasn't for those darn Clippers without Kawhi Leonard. Um, but you and know, Rudy Gobert getting played off the floor and not being able to do anything offensively against the small ball Clippers team. Anyways, I mean, he should he should have been played off the floor. Let's put it that way. There we go. They That's needed, the correct terminology. Option, I'll agree with you on that. But in general, <laughs> um, look, Luca did have to be on, right? We know that Luca had to be on. That was why, honestly, I kind of thought that they might have put Luca versus Giannis. I was like, oh, that makes sense. When I was going through the matchups in my head, trying to predict them, I thought we'd either get Warriors, um, Bucks. I'm really surprised they didn't do that. You would have had Steph versus Giannis. That's an incredible matchup. Like I like a- where you're. I, I like where you're going though with the Luca versus Giannis. That's what it should have been. Sub out Boston, put in Luca and the Mavericks against Milwaukee, and then drop in the the heavyweight, you know, MVP favorite matchups or previous, you know, MVP matchups, whatever the you know Jokic and Embiid for Sixers Nuggets. I would have loved that. Yeah, and then, dr- and then drop. I think a better but. slate. I mean, you know, we'll. I mean, but hey, it's an, like, it's an all right slate. Like it's not. I, I've I've looked at slates in previous years where I thought, oh, that's going to be an incredible day, start to finish. I'm kind of indifferent towards this one. It's like, well, yeah, it's got some good games on it. But it's also funny, right? Because like anyone listening to Locked On NBA podcast, like we're watching these games. We're watching all like we're watching as many <laughs> of these games as we can around family engagements. Like, Every we're single absolutely one. Absolutely watching as many as possible. They will get my money. They will get my my viewership. I will absolutely be watching these um, after I take care of of Christmas morning shenanigans with my kids. 
Coming up, we do want to talk about one more topic, which is kind of the state of the NBA, the win now mode that the entire NBA or most of the NBA seems to be in. And we'll get there after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. Because look, if you've never had a protein bar that you actually care about, that you've enjoyed eating, you got to check out Built Bar. Every single bar, great tasting. And they've got so many amazing flavors on their menu. Raspberry, mint, tro- mint chocolate brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. My personal favorite is the coconut brownie chunk. Can't go wrong with any single flavor on their menu. Every single bar is low cal, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Great if you're on a keto diet. Great if you're trying to lose weight. Maybe you're just trying to stay where you're at. I grab them, you know, grab two of them when I'm out the door in the morning, running late for work, that kind of thing, or headed to the gym, whatever, right? You can check them out. Just visit builtbar.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your very next order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. We're also brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action, and of course, those NFL futures. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device using promo code LOCKED ON and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts and final segment here at locked on nba thursday he is matt moore i am jackson gatlin let's get into matt if i had to ask if i asked you roughly how many of the nba's 30 teams are currently in we'll say win now mode approximately how many would you say off the top of your head gosh Just an approximation. It doesn't have to be exact, and we can we can adjust that number later. Probably 20. That's kind of a crazy amount to think about, right? That so much of the league is actively in, quote-unquote, win-now mode, and yet every, every single NBA season we get to, it feels like there's only two to four presumptive favorites for the title every single season. It's true. So... That provides kind of a, this, you know, really interesting scenario where the NBA is at. And, I, and John Hollinger talked about it the other day in an article for The Athletic. And it really kind of painted a picture of the direction that the league is headed in. And so Hollinger presents, you know, the the 2024-2025 NBA season as his template for uh, kind of the premise, the crux of this article. And so just, a, just an idea of what that season is going to look like for the NBA. Here are some names I'll throw out for you. 37-year-old Steph Curry is going to be playing for Golden State, making $55.8 million. 33-year-old Paul George and 32-year-old Kawhi Leonard are going to combine for close to $100 million on their respective Oof. deals. In Milwaukee, Drew Holiday is making $38 million at age 34 <laughs> and, and incentives that could take him up to $40 million. The Lakers might be paying a 40-year-old LeBron James north of $50 million. That sounds like a lot of money, right, Matt? <laughs> I can't conceptualize so, how much money that is, Jackson. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a lot of money that we that you and I can't even fathom. Not only that, those are some pretty old guys making all that money. And so the 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 entire point of of Hollinger's you know article was just that there's this movement across the NBA. There's this win now movement that so many teams appear to be in. And so many teams have mortgaged their futures, their, their assets to be in this win now mode. And there's more or less a handful 
of teams left that haven't done so kind of the young teams or the quote unquote rebuilding teams. And the area that I wanted to get into it with you, Matt, is, you know, talking about some of these numbers does first off, do the ages matter on some of these players? Right. Because I think we've started to see Well, let me rephrase. Have we started to see a trend where age is less of a deterrent or worry as the, you know, the life expectancy of these contracts come to fruition because of advances in medical science, how players take care of their bodies these days, that kind of thing. Does a 35 year old Steph Curry worry you as much as it would have, say, 10 years ago? That kind of thing. I think it's I'll say this. uh, If you told me that all these stars were going to be 37, making 50 million you know, 10 years ago, I'm like, that's a disaster. But now I'm like, oh, it kind of depends, right? So look, I I think, I don't know that, I have no reason to think that Curry's game is going to decline appreciably given that it's all skill-based, right? Like it's all shooting and everything else. Like, I don't know how much, he'll probably suffer an injury at some point again, but I don't know how much that's going to decline. And even if he's still, if he's only the third best shooter in the league, isn't that's a huge drop off for him given the gap between him and everyone else. And that's still a really useful player. Yeah. At 55.8 million, it might be an overpay, but that's what you're paying to get him for the next, you know, all the years before this. Right. Yeah. Um, You know, Kawhi or, you know, PG at 33, I'm not worried about. I think he's gonna be fine. Kawhi, I think you have concerns now. So it's not, you know, it's, you're just going to have to decide whether, whether you have concerns about him or not. Westbrook, obviously, at a 34-year-old Westbrook at 47 in, in the 2023 campaign, that that's a little concerning. You look at those numbers. Uh, he mentions in there Jimmy Butler is going to be making $48 million at 35 years old after all of those years under Tibbs. That, that's a little concerning. At that, point, I, at that point, Jimmy Butler is not 35 years old. He's 45 years old. Yeah. So, but his, knee, say- his knees are at least 45. You know, he mentions in here, he talks about LeBron, how well he's played, and Chris Paul, and he says that those are the only two players that have been all NBA past their 34th birthday. And that's a fair note. Um, I do think that we're going to see guys have their careers prolonged, not only by the advances in medical science, but we're seeing rest management. Like, guys aren't doing as much in the regular season. I think that's I'd be, sh- I'd be shocked if we didn't see some guys like like Katie and and harden and some of the some of this generation that's slowly aging into their 30s as we speak right they're on the early end of 30 i'd be shocked if we didn't see some of those guys make all nba teams yeah i think that they'll still be amazing very deep the other point that he kind of makes in here uh and it's a great article by john you should check it out the athletic he talks about like all the all the picks that are owed by these various teams right there's a couple of things here. One, I just think it's healthier for the league to be in a place. There was this gap really during the Warriors era. So many teams were in this weird spot of like, yeah, we're going to go for it, but you know, we got to be realistic. Like that was something that you heard was like, we got, we can't like leverage our assets because you're always trying to think like, does this move get us past the Warriors? And the bar was so damn high that it was hard to see any move that would get you there. It's like, why, why are you giving up future assets for something that's ultimately not going to get you where you want to go? But now, kind of what we were talking about before in the Christmas games, like you don't look at... It's open. Lakers. Yeah, you don't look at the Lakers and say that they're unbeatable. You don't look at the Nets and say that they're unbeatable. Good, yeah, the best, probably. 
the favorites? Absolutely. And maybe the Nets will just run through everybody. Maybe they'll win 60 games, you know, while resting guys, roll through the playoffs and win the title. And we'll have another situation where we got a super team dominating things. That's entirely possible. But until that happens, I think it's healthier for the league to have this mentality of, no, 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 like we can do this. Because you look at the last couple of years, it took injuries to the Warriors for sure, but the Raptors shot the gap. Like the Raptors had this year before the Nets amalgamated when there wasn't a super dominant team in the Eastern Conference and they split the difference. They got to the finals. The Warriors got hurt and they won a title. The Heat the following year in the bubble took advantage of a weakened Eastern Conference, good matchups, Bucks fell apart and made the finals. And those are good opportunities. Like making the finals is a good thing for your team, even if you don't win. And so I think it's good that there's all these teams that are willing to do this. As far as the draft, I think capital, you, I, I just want to throw it in there. You can also look at this year as an example, yeah. Because you had the Lakers who dealt with injury concern, you know, injury issues all season long, weren't healthy in the playoffs, and you know, had the Lakers been healthy, then maybe we're not talking about the Suns making it out of the Western Conference. I don't know, right? You had the Nets had their their fair share of injuries. You had injuries all throughout this season that plagued a number of different teams. So you look at it as that chance where if those teams hadn't gone, uh, not quite like pushed all their chips to the center of the table, right? But those moves that made them competitive, right? The Suns didn't have to trade for Chris Paul, but they thought that they were finally in a place with their young core and everything to take that next step forward. And they did that and they got a finals berth out of it. That's huge. And now they've got Chris Paul locked down for the future and they've got a really strong core that if they can maintain it all, I mean, it's, it's exciting times. You know, and as far as the draft picks go, I think your team is actually a good example of of this in terms of OKC, right? Look, yeah, they've traded those picks, but OKC can't keep all those picks. They had to get rid of some of them because they, you know, if you can't move up and you're trying to maximize assets, those picks will still be available. The teams that have kind of grabbed on to so many, whether it's the Pelicans or the Thunder or whoever, there will be opportunities to get those picks later. You can you could trade into draft picks. It may cost you, but if you really need to replenish things, you can make those type of moves. Um, and there will always be somebody that wants your top tier star guys, even at the end of their careers. That's been proven time and time again. Um, I think what'll be interesting, and he does mention this. I, I thought this was maybe the most interesting part of the article is he mentions those teams that are kind of lying in wait to step up like Memphis, Oklahoma, Orlando, San Antonio, and Toronto. They have their eyes on achievement beyond the here and now. Like, can those teams take advantage enough in order to be able to accomplish what they want to do? And I think Memphis is in a really particularly interesting spot, right? Where they have a playoff team now, but they also have assets for later. They have flexibility. There's a lot that Memphis can still do. And that's an interesting and exciting development. Um, but ultimately I think also for as much as like a lot of these teams, the guys on these teams, look at where these teams are located. Brooklyn, Los Angeles, Los Angeles. Like those are three. That's Kawhi, PG, LeBron, um, Russell Westbrook, Harden, Anthony Davis. Yeah. Uh, Harden, uh, KD, and Kyrie. Right. You so you could say like those guys are all going to get older. Th those teams aren't going to have a hard time getting talent. Because that's just not how the NBA works. If you're if you are a major city, you do not have to worry unless you're the Knicks. You do not have to worry about getting those marquee guys. You just have to have, have good ownership and management that puts yourself in a position where it's even remotely plausible 
and you'll be able to get the next generation of stars. And usually you'll get them in an advantageous position. You won't always have to pay that much to get them. So I, I, you have to pay what you have. That's the kind of the difference. That's the lesson with the Anthony Davis deal is you have to trade what you have in order to get these kind of guys. But if you don't have much, you don't have to trade as much. <laughs> and so there will be more opportunities, I think, down the line for those teams. Those teams will always have an advantage. Now, if you want to look at, like, you know, some of these teams, I think, yeah, like, look, um, you know, he mentions Portland, but I think we both kind of feel Dame's going to be gone. Um, Golden State, I think, is in a different situation because they're in San Francisco now. I think that changes it. But yeah, like Milwaukee. But Milwaukee knew the deal. Like, Milwaukee understood the entire – they knew what was going on. They're fine with a prolonged period of tanking that's going to go on after the Giannis era. They have set themselves up to compete for the Giannis era, and they've won a title. Mission accomplished. They, yeah, they 100%. Knew what they were getting into. I think the thing that – one thing that did stand out to me is that list of team names that he threw out there at the tail end of the article, Memphis, OKC, Orlando, San Antonio, Toronto, that list doesn't make sense to me in my head because – I feel like you either don't include OKC and Orlando on that list, or if you do include OKC and Orlando, then why aren't you including like Houston, Detroit, and Cleveland? No, like or at least at, let me let me put it this way: at least Houston, because Houston has all the draft picks to like prep themselves for the future from the James Harden trade they just picked up. They just killed it in this past draft, like. And that's why I'm a little bit confused by this list because Memphis has the young core in place. Oklahoma City has the gigantic stash of draft capital. Orlando, you can make the, you you know make the argument they've got a lot of young pieces in place, and they've got the the picks that they picked up in the Vucevic trade. San Antonio? Question mark though. Like, well, two things. Um, the list that he talks about is is teams that are not trying to win right now. I think one with Houston and they're, they're focusing on long-term. I think you could say like Houston's got the draft picks, but they also sent so many draft picks to OKC. So like they have a lot, they sent a lot. It's kind of a muscled situation. There's also, look, there's legitimately from people I talk to, no one's really quite sure of, of Houston in terms of, are they, are they going for now? Are they going for later? You have Christian Wood and KPJ and John Wall, but you also have Alpern Shagoon and, Jalen and like KPJ works on that timeline, but maybe not as much Christian. Like it's, it's a little bit of a mixed bag and it seems like they want to compete now, but they're fine. If they don't Cleveland, nobody like Cleveland just seems like a mess. Like it's just, there's not like, I don't think they're bad. I really don't. I don't think they're that bad of a team. I think they could get better, but it's like, they couldn't, they couldn't find a trade partner for Colin Sexton, but they don't want to pay him. They got Garland and there's still Kevin Love. Like there's just like there's a lot of stuff there. And then Detroit again, like Detroit spent sixty million dollars last offseason on backup front court players from Denver. And one of them was Jeremy Grant, right? Who had a tremendous season, phenomenal year. But th- that's a, again part of it is like as Detroit seems like they're they're going for the future with all these the draft picks and young guys they've accumulated. But then they have a few, they have got like Jeremy Grant. It, it's a little bit of a, I think a mixed bag versus Memphis is very clearly like Memphis moved Jonas Valanciunas. Like if Memphis was trying to win now, they're not trading JV. Right. And if they're trying to win now, they're not trading Patrick Beverly. Like, especially not for Juancho Hernan Gomez and Jared Culver. Now some of this is just like saving money. Like it's just saving money. But 
one of the reasons you, that you save money is so that you can go in and go into the luxury tax later that you can financially afford it. If you're one of these teams, they should all be able to afford it. But that's, I've heard that excuse before. Don't play me, yep. Matt. <laughs> yep. It's a different, it's, that's a different question for a different day. Um, oh, and man. then like Toronto, I think is the most interesting one. Cause you got Fred Van Vliet, you got OG Anobi, you got Pascal Siakam and everybody was waiting for the Raptors to do something in free agency. Everybody was waiting for either, OG Anobi or Pascal Siakam or both or Fred Van Vliet to get moved and for them to really be like, yeah, we're going to do like a whole rebuild. And they're just kind of in the middle. So, but this article kind of insinuates that, and I've heard this too. There's not like a really strong feeling that the, the Raptors are going for it. They're just kind of like in the middle and lying in wait and we'll see how it works. But that I think is kind of the, the, the mindset is, are you trying to accomplish your goals right now? Or are you like, this year is not pivotal. Like we have player goals for this season. We don't have team goals for this season. Right. Just kind of punt on the team goals for one season while you develop your team, while you, you know, work on the chemistry, gathering pieces, whatever it may, whatever it may be. It makes sense. All right. I can, I can buy that for those ones. I pre I appreciate the insight as always, Matt. Um, with that, that's actually going to do it for today's episode. We ran long today, Matt. I'm going to blame you. It's all your fault. You are entirely too verbose at times. It's true. That's absolutely true. You can 100% blame me. I am talk way too much. I love that. No, it's great. It's great. And uh, I'm sure our listeners enjoy it. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, quick reminder to go check out Locked On Today. Get all the sports news you need in just under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, that's going to do it for another edition of Locked on NBA Thursday. If you haven't yet, please go check out and subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel, our Locked on NBA YouTube channel, as well as subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast, be it Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app. We would sincerely appreciate it. You can follow Matt for all of his musings and tirades at HP Basketball. You can find me on Twitter at, J- at JT Gatlin. But for today's show, that's going to do it. Thanks for watching, listening, and we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on NBA Thursday. Alfred Chagoo! Ha <laughs> ha!